0: Today on our podcast, on-campus child care and the critical need for it. Our Children's Learning Center gives parents a secure and nurturing environment for their children while they go to school and work. We're discussing the great work being done at our Children's Learning Center with the person who's been running the facility for more than 30 years, today on our podcast. Well, welcome to Chatting About College, a podcast originating from Onondaga Community College in Syracuse, New York. My name is Roger Mirabito. We record our conversation in the studios of our Broadcast Media Communications degree program. It's located in the Whitney Applied Technology Center on our campus. Our guest today is Michelle Ferguson. She runs our Children's Learning Center here on campus, and she's joining us today to talk all things child care related, both here at home. And across the country. Michelle Ferguson, welcome to Chatting About College.
1: Well, thank you, Roger. It is wonderful to be here.
0: Great to have you here. In April, you will celebrate 34 years here at Onondaga Community College. Amazing accomplishment. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yes, uh, it, has, it has been 34 wonderful years. Lots that we've accomplished during that time as a college as a whole and also um, within child care.
0: Our Children's Learning Center, which you run, is nationally accredited and it's located in Ferrante Hall. You've got a beautiful space there. Tell us a little about what's going on there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, there's a lot going on there, especially <laughs> especially now that, um, you know, we're we're moving away from COVID, which mm-hmm. is great. It's so exciting. Um, we actually serve um uh, right around 65 children a day, but overall, because of the fact that um, our first priority is students, children, and um, our the schedules, the way we schedule children is to support our students. So we have part-time. So we schedule children Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If a student parent was only taking classes on those day, Tuesday, Thursday, as well, which is really kind of rare in the world of of childcare, uh, we serve infants six weeks to eighteen months. I have two classrooms of infants, two classrooms of toddlers who are eighteen months to three, and then two classrooms of preschool preschoolers who are three and f- three, four and five, and then um, once they're ready and Eligible to go to kindergarten, then um, then their their time with us is over. But um, what I found over the years is that we have sibling after sibling after sibling mm-hmm. who comes through the uh, through the program. So it seems as if, which is a great thing to say, that once you get them as babies, um, they're hooked on us, and <laughs> we have them right through. Our, as I said, our, our priorities is, is to serve OCC students, children, mm-hmm. um, and then OCC staff and employees uh, and faculty. And then we have slots available for our community families as well. And we find our com- community families um, are our families that typically need us year round mm-hmm. and keep us running year round, which um, throughout the community, the SUNY community college system, we're more the exception than the norm. Okay. The majority of community college programs just operate the academic fall and spring semester and some of them for the summer session. But we're 50 out of 52 weeks out of the year. Wow.
0: And we're open wow. from
1: 730 to 530. Hmm. So we really try to be student friendly, actually family friendly. Mm-hmm. Is, a, is a better a better way of saying that.
0: I can't imagine how challenging the two years or so of COVID have been for you. And it's remarkable that you have stayed open throughout all of this.
1: We have. We have had to only close one classroom completely um, due to um, a COVID exposure. But yes, um, when our governor said, I want, SUNY Campus Child Care Centers to remain open for essential workers, um, we stayed open. And we not only served um, our families um, of doctors and nurses and grocery store and child care teachers, Mm -hmm. um, but we also, because our students were trying to finish up their semesters and start New semesters, uh, we also um, opened up our slots to student families that wanted to continue bringing their children um, to say it's been easy no, I can't say that it's <laughs> been a roller coaster ride. Um, we've and I say roller coaster very intentionally because we've had some real highs. we've mm-hmm. had some real lows, like when we've had to close classrooms and had you know multiple um, children or staff members uh, with COVID, but then there's been all kinds of twists and turns and unexpected events. Um, My assistant director, Jean, and I, you know, we've really had to stay on the pulse of, you know, what's happening with our licensing agency, what our, you know, New York State Office of Children and Family Services regulations are saying, Onondaga Health Department, OCC, um and then also what has been difficult is just trying to help our staff, help mm-hmm. our families help help our really the adults manage the anxiety. The children, holy cow, the resiliency that they have shown is just unbelievable. I think the hardest thing for them, it wasn't the mask wearing. They just breezed into that. That was like no problem, no worries. I think the hardest thing for them was not being able to socialize with each other mm. outside mm-hmm. of school. so those birthday parties that were cancelled, the, you know, um meetings with their friends at the most, things like that. Um, but um, but they have been they have been real troopers through this and have really, Shown their ability to just roll with it.
0: I think kids adjust to change much better than adults do. I think we like to grumble about stuff, and they just they just deal with it. It's the way things are. I agree. Yeah. I
1: absolutely agree with that. <laughs> it's been amazing.
0: We were talking about your facilities. You have a beautiful outdoor playground for your older students, older children. And you're about to get something new for the infant ones that's outside, correct?
1: Yes, it's very exciting. Um, From the start, we wanted um, to have a nature-based playground. Mm -hmm. Um, And many people don't even realize that it is a children's playground because, you know, there's not all those bright-colored, you know, metal pieces of equipment. Mm -hmm. Instead, what you're going to see are digging pits. You know, where children can um, experiment with sand and water and mulch and a lot of um, heavy work. You're going to see willow. Willow Tunnels and Willow Huts. Um, Today, for example, when I was leaving, the preschoolers were getting on their snowsuits, and they were going to go outside and have some fun in in what snow is left. And hopefully we're going to find enough to be able to sled, to to take their sleds. But uh, last week, for example, they were telling me about the fox tracks, they saw on the playground. Wow! And then right now there is a worm wall where they have a variety of different containers where when we had that real rainy spell that um, they collected worms. And there's been a lot of scientific discovery and exploration (laughs) with it. Not with me, with worms, but they've really (laughs) enjoyed it. So it has been, um, especially for some of our children who are – as I said, we serve um, students. We serve um, low-income students. Many mm-hmm. of our student parents are single parents and live in neighborhoods in our community that the children don't see green space, that they don't get opportunities to dig in the dirt mm-hmm. and to do some of the simple stuff that I know I did living in you know, the country, um, as a kid. So it, it, it provides them with opportunities that they would not otherwise have. So our toddlers and our preschoolers use that playground and then, um, it's very exciting, but, um, I vowed that I cannot retire until the infants, our six weeks to 18-month-olds, have their own separate playground so that they can get outside. Even the littlest ones can, can just lay out a blanket and they can just feel that sun and the wind, because it's always windy up here, the wind <laughs> on their faces and enjoy that and um so they right now, what is happening is, um we're in the design phase. Mm-hmm. And we recently found out that we were awarded from the SUNY. System, a, a, a sufficient funds to put up a fence. So we know that at least this spring, because it always happens in steps and mm-hmm. in, in stages, that we'll be able to enclose an area for the babies to be able to run and crawl and you know feel the grass underneath their underneath their knees and their feet. And um, we also have been buying equipment and pieces. So we have. For um, we have a tunnel and some, you know, some wonderful, wonderful again, nature based wooden uh, structures, place, play structures that um, we're just ready to get installed. That sounds great. So we can be, you know, out there in early and hopefully early spring. So Hmm. very exciting, very exciting.
0: One of the benefits of working here is seeing your children walking across campus in groups. It's always fun to see the smiling faces, and they wave at you, and no matter how good or how bad a day you're having, they put a smile on your face. I'm wondering what they get out of it, what their experiences are like going across campus and interacting with people.
1: Once again, it is just such a blessing to be here, to be the director of a campus child care center. And once again, because I've been here as long as I have, it's like a butterfly. I've seen this campus just morph, just this, this transformation into an arts and cultural center. So one of the first things that I think about is the wonderful, when Coulter Library was renovated, that was one of the most recent, they made, they included in the design of that space an amazing area for the children. Uh, where you would think that on a, on a you know, on a, on a community college that you wouldn't have picture books, you wouldn't have board books for toddlers. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It's part of the Onondaga County Public Library System, so the children can go in there, and it can, you know. And on days when they can't get outside, it's, you know, it's another. It's it's like a field trip, mm-hmm. but it's a campus field trip to come over here to the Whitney Building and to be able to see the arts across, you know, that the different, um, the different exhibits sure. that either arts across campus. Or mm-hmm. right now, the Scholastic Arts Show. Mm-hmm. And we're right downstairs from the Ann Felton Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. And actually, when I started 34 years ago, that was where our one classroom childcare center was. Wow. My wow. office was there. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a couple weeks ago, I had to um, take a take a little field trip down there to bring um, to bring a, a, a therapist that was coming to work with one of the children and there were our preschoolers and they were telling me about all the amazing paintings that they were looking at mm. and what they noticed about them. Opportunities that some of the children that are enrolled at our center might have on a regular basis, but for many of them, This is all new. Yeah, yeah. All new. And who knows what seeds are planted here as preschoolers, as toddlers. Perhaps they'll be future OCC students. I know it's realistic because I have seen children who were preschoolers (laughs) during my tenure who are now parents whose children are now enrolled at the center, and wow. many of them are OCC students as well. So it's come full circle. Yeah, yeah. And it's very exciting.
0: Because the Children's Learning Center is here, there are OCC students who have the ability to come to school because they can drop their children off at the Children's Learning Center. It must be rewarding for you as well to see those success stories with students here at OCC.
1: There are so many success stories. Uh, success stories is, you know, you know, what comes to mind immediately are our OCC student parents who have gone through our nursing program and have been immediately employed. They find out what their board's results are, their, you know, their, their certifications, and they already have positions. In uh, area hospitals, and they've gone on to do some great stuff. Or to transfer, one of our mothers, uh, Regina Congella, uh, is now at SUNY Binghamton. Her goal, she's her goal, is to become a doctor, and I'm certain she's going to do it. Um, she last summer uh, was the only student. It, within the SUNY system that was accepted into a pre-med summer program. So we were so happy for her. Mm-hmm. We also have so many success stories of students who have used our services in a different way. We have a partnership with our own teacher education department, and we are the primary student observation and student field work placement site for those young ladies and young men mm-hmm. who are thinking about careers in mm-hmm. either early childhood education or to seamlessly transfer many of them go on to SUNY Cortland or SUNY Oswego to become certified public public school teachers And it just it just warms my heart to see them um, in New York City, you know, um, teaching or I have one right now that she graduated from SUNY Cortland. She worked with us every summer and. She is um, teaching second grade immediately. As soon as she got, you know, her, her master's, as soon as she she had a job. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is something else that we're really proud of. We're really invested in is providing future teachers a solid foundation um, as they make decisions about do I want to teach early education? Do I want to be high school teachers? Where, you know, what, where's my passion? Where's Mm -hmm, my passion mm -hmm. lie? And to be able to do that early on, rather than waiting, you know, going straight to, let's say, SUNY Cortland, and um, finding, you know, at first time you're working with children as a junior block. And you're like, what was I thinking? Right, right. (laughs) They get that experience sometimes in their first year here, Yeah. usually in their, their first semester of their second year. That's very important. So it's very important. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. When we were in the throes of COVID, when things were really, really bad, there was a lot of credit and adulation given to child care workers. And, you know, they were they were heroes and they were this and they were that. And I don't know where our nation stands now in that conversation, but there is a real staffing crisis at child care centers nationwide. As you talk to other people, what are you hearing about what's going on nationally?
1: It is absolutely a national crisis. Um, Childcare, early childhood educators Mm -hmm. have historically been underpaid, under-resourced, uh, as a profession, and um, we have fought for many, many years to even be recognized as a profession. And I was really dismayed um, last year when I sat in on a on a, a Zoom call that was hosted by um, the Early Childhood Alliance and Childcare Solutions, our resource and referral agency, and we had people from different industries. And it was the first time that I had ever heard that caring for the elderly, for example, nursing home care, and child care are considered, are categorized as service industries and therefore are the lowest paid. We were. We were essential. We were, you know, as you said, the, the heroes that people couldn't do their jobs without child care. I'm still optimistic, not quite as optimistic as I was early on, but um, the Build Back Better bill at the federal level has been stalled with so many other things that are going on. But it was the first time that we saw a conversation happening about public funding for early childhood education. And the research is there. It's not just watching children, that children who at an early age are, you know, are um, in quality programs, that that those early years are learning years and that the benefits are great, especially uh, later on. But right now, I'm remembering, you know, like 25 years ago when we would go to Albany and we would – we would advocate, and we had a badge. We, we were wearing pins that say, um, parents can't afford to pay. Teachers can't afford to stay. And mm-hmm. that is exactly what we're seeing. Wow. When wow. we drive down the street and Dunkin' Donuts and some of the other, you know, whether it's working in retail or working in a restaurant, Um are paying higher wages and you don't even need a high school degree right, right whereas to do the work that my teachers are doing they have to have degrees in early childhood education or child development they have our our greatest goal every single day is you know to keep children safe and healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. and um, those are big jobs, and it's very labor intensive. So I don't know where it's heading. Mm-hmm. I really don't, but people can't work without a solid infrastructure of early child care, early care and education for our youngest ones all the way, all the way up.
0: Well, I know as a parent, and you know as a parent and as an educator, how critical those early formative years are and how many times you'd come home and you're playing with the kids at night and you're seeing them do something that they didn't do the day before you know how quick they learn things absolutely. when they're little it's unbelievable totally
1: mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely
0: well michelle ferguson you've been a delight to talk to thank you so much for your time and congratulations again on your 34 year anniversary remarkable accomplishment and I hope you don't retire too soon. We love having you here and hope you stay for a while longer.
1: Well, thank you, Roger. It has been an absolute pleasure.
0: And also a thank you to our broadcast media communications degree program for use of their beautiful studios here on campus. And thanks to you as well for listening. I'm Roger Mirabito, hoping you've enjoyed chatting about college. Keep listening to us and hit that little subscribe button. You can find chatting about college at places like iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find Pretty Good Podcasts.